Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Welcome to this week's episode of the Mum and Mama podcast, brought to you as always by the lovely Golding Accountancy, wearegolding.com. How are you? I hope you are good. This week, the lovely Pogman joins me. I was with Pogman a little while ago and he was opening up to me a bit about his personal life. And I asked him to come on the podcast because, number one, he's an amazing storyteller and he loves a chat, so he's perfect for a podcast. Also, he really speaks very well about things that have happened to him. You know how some people can just articulate really well and describe feelings, and basically, in a nutshell, we spoke about his music career, becoming a DJ, travelling the world, how he dealt with that when he wakes up really early every day. He's one of those strange people that can't lie in. Um, his mother had suffered from alcoholism and took her own life. How he dealt with all that, and he's still dealing with all that. And then he, how he then um, became sober himself after a few things that happened that he wasn't happy with, um, including a, <laughs> a very. Uh, he was like, he gave up drugs before he gave up drinking. I'm like, how did? What? When he was young, but if you hear this story, oh my God, it's, um, I mean, it's not funny, but it is, some of the things people do baffle me. But anyway, he's got a lot of stories. I've told him he needs to write a book, actually, because he remembers everything as well. Like, he remembers everything. When I, I remembered, I knew, I was always aware of what I was doing while I was doing it, but the next day, I don't remember anything. Like, my friend will quite a lot actually she'd be like oh do you remember that night when we did this and went here and I, I have no recollection of it whatsoever but I did I was worried it might have been the amount of drugs I took when I was younger but I don't think it is I think I just have got a really bad memory because I'm pretty sure if it was the drugs then Pogman won't remember anything anyway either <laughs> but yes I hope you enjoy so this it's split into two because we had a good old chat for quite a long time um, the first episode, so today's episode, is more about his music career and how he got into DJing and how it became a career for him. And then next week, it's more about the drugs and drink and, yeah, people having to his mum and everything. So, yeah, it's um, but it's, um, it's, a, it's cheery. It's not, obviously, we speak about very heavy stuff, but he's, um, yeah, he's a, he's a very cheery person. So yeah, but anyway, I hope you enjoy it and I'll see you in a bit. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad. And I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which 
is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. I'm all right. I know. I haven't got up. Where the kids have been away, and since the dog left, I've been purposely lying in because I had to keep getting up early for the dog. Yeah. And where it's the school holidays, I was like, I don't have to get up. So I've well, been exactly. sleeping until like nine o'clock. It's been really nice. Shocking, mate. Nine o'clock. That's like, you're like a teenager, mate. Oh, no. <laughs> when you routine, I used to sleep till like three o'clock in the afternoon. See, I've never been like that. I was like, I've always been an early bird, like my whole life. Like really? even even if I get to sleep at like three, four o'clock in the morning, I'll still wake up at like eight o'clock. And like if I get to sleep at my normal time, which is, I'm a proper old man. Like if I, my schedule at the moment, the last few weeks it's been bad, like the worst it's ever been. I've been falling asleep at like just after nine o'clock and waking up at like five a.m. Oh my god! But I'm so usually. What time- I'm usually on about a ten thirty six sort of schedule. That's not too bad. No, no, because like, but I like getting up early though. I get most. I'm the most productive at like yeah. first first thing in the morning. Yeah. Like I'll clean my house and I'll do everything I need to do before I even start my day. Yeah. No, I do. I do hear that. I wish that I could get up earlier, and but I'm all right with it's light outside. But when it's dark, I just I really don't like. Yeah, I hate that. the winter. I hate the winter yeah. so much. I don't mind the cold. I just don't like the dark. Yeah, I don't like the dark. Like waking up and it's dark and then literally by like four o'clock it's dark. It's just like yeah, shocking. I, yeah, I it's don't we- like that. I couldn't... It's weird as well, even though, even though I'm only like two hours north of you. Like the change in the darkness is shocking. <laughs> like yeah. we, you probably get an extra like 20 minutes of sunlight than us like in the deep oh, really? winter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's mental. What, in the morning or the evening? Uh, So the sun will go down later for you guys. Because my friend that lives in Preston says that her evenings are lighter in the summer than they are down oh, ma- here. Maybe it's the other way around then. <laughs> oh, mate. Because I was always like... That's really weird because we're in the same country, but obviously she's like five hours north. Yeah, she because she's like two hours north of me, even so, like yeah, yeah. She's she's some way away from you because you're like what? Are you you're not north? Which part of London are you? East London. So you're like, yeah, okay. So you're still quite far down then, because like, yeah. Once you get to like sort of North London way, like Milton Keynes and stuff, like basically out of London then. You're proper, yeah. you're proper London, aren't you, Ains? Proper London, yeah. Well, I'm Essex, actually. Oh, that's even, still, that's even more, if, mate. Everyone's like, you live in Essex now, and I'm like, I don't live in Essex. South Woodford has an E18 postcode, so it is London. It's London. So, so Essex I'm on a is... Tube. Yeah, true. Is Essex not... Is Essex overground, then? Well, Upminster, 
is on the tube, and that's an Epping's Essex. Is Epping Essex or is Epping Walden Forest? There's too many places in London, mate. Way too many places. We have got the tube in Essex, but I'm just very much like I live in London. So you're born born and bred in Essex, though. Yeah. Bromford. Bromford, bloody hell. Bromford and Basildon, the best. Basildon. The best two places. The only the only reason I know about Basildon is from that one video of that drum and bass MC all them years ago. Was it MC Beefy or something? Oh, it was like. Oh, I don't know about that. I don't even know whether they were like. Real MCs, but it was like somebody at a DMB like rave, like just doing like interviews or with a microphone or whatever. And it was these two lads. One was called MC Beefy. I can't remember what the other lad was called, but like they were just off their tits completely. Just yeah. like the one was MC and it was fucking hilarious. But the one lad was like shouting like Basildon boys or something. And I was just like, okay, so like, and then so my early sort of, um, introductions to London obviously I knew what London was growing up but it was Bottom because they were from Hammersmith like watching Bottom yeah yeah so like a lot of the stuff that they would mention because he would mention like Bromley and like Romford and like all these different places and that was literally like other than that I didn't even go to London until like later on in life like really yeah yeah like I haven't been to London properly until I was probably a teenager you know Maybe even a little but bit later. Guess, unless you've got plans to sightsee or do stuff, you've got really ongoing need to come in, have you? And well, exactly. And before I was like, much. I mean, I'm 34 now. So when I was like a teenager, there was nothing to see in London. I mean, there was, but you know what I mean. Like you weren't. And my dad, oh, my dad, the... <laughs> my dad's not like the sort of person. They're like, oh, let's go to Big Ben. My dad's like, yeah, I'm going to the fucking football, and you know, so there's no point reason to get to London, and then. I noticed your Wolves shirt. Yeah, I'm a big... Uh... Have you signed Ronaldo? No. <laughs> nah. We signed a player called Nunes, who's, like, from Portugal. Uh-huh. We only, we basically only signed Portuguese players. Oh, really? Well, that's like, fair enough. Our whole club, since we got bought, like, years ago, has just been, like, Portuguese, basically. Oh, really? There's the constant joke of, like, oh, Wolves is just Portugal. And I'm like, man, if we get the players, I don't care at all. Yeah. Like so, what's your uh, allegiances if there was one? Spurs. Prob- oh really? We're playing yeah, you on I'm Saturday. Spurs. Oh Wolf- really? Wolf Spurs on Saturday, mate. Oh. I'll text you some stick. To- yeah. You have <laughs> That's proper- the only reason I like football is the stick. Oh yeah, you can have the banter. Are, everyone's Arsenal fans. Are, everyone's an Arsenal fan or yeah. West Ham. Mm. Um. So I don't really care about football. I get involved with the World Cup. Yeah. <clears throat> I find that exciting, but day to day, just I enjoy it and I like it for my dad. Yeah, but I don't really care. I would love it if Spurs actually did win <laughs> something Spurs because just... it would make him so happy. <laughs> That's the that thing. It's like lovely. that was me as a kid, really, because when I was growing up, I was more into like skateboarding and like BMX. You know, I was, I was basically a little griever into like rock music and like skating and stuff. So, but football was always on like the sort of fringes of my life because my dad's a massive football fan, so is my brother. My brother's a United fan, my dad's a Wolves fan. Oh, and, my uh, God. Yeah, Why? Glory Hunter. No, nah, he's been it since we was literally, like, babies. Like, like his whole life. So he's, like, he's one of the... I wouldn't say I don't respect other fans, but fair play to him. He's got He's had a season ticket nearly 10 years now and he drives to Manchester every home game, like, you know. Oh. Oh my god. Even though they're dog shit for the last yeah. so many years, like he still goes and he gets stick constantly off like us and our friendship group because we've <laughs> we've got a little mixture, but most of us are Wolves fans. But we've got like a Spurs fan, we've got Chelsea fan, we've got an Arsenal fan, Newcastle fan, like so. But yeah, my brother gets some right fucking stick, man. But fair yeah, play to him. But uh, yeah, so it was always on the fringes in my life. And then as I got a little bit older, it was when I started touring, really, you know, because like football was like my little bit of home, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So yeah I had something to sort of hold on to. And I was like, and then I would be a dickhead waking up at like whatever time, wherever I was in the world, whatever time zone I was on, I'd wake up to watch a Wolves match. Really? Yeah. So obviously when I was living in Philadelphia for a while, if we was ever on the early kickoff, it was seven o'clock in the morning kickoff. 
But obviously that's perfect that's for me. Mr. Early yeah, Bird. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But the good thing is... Browns by then. Exactly. And there's a pub that they used to open to watch all the games. It'd be open at seven o'clock in the morning, so... Which was Was perfect. it Paddy's Pub? It was an Irish bar, of course. <laughs> like, I mean, you can always count on the Irish bar wherever you are yeah. in the world, mate. But, like, so since... Ha- oh, carry on, mate. Sorry. I was just going to say, what led you to music? So, basically... I mean, I've told this story a million times, so anybody who does listen, I'm sorry if you've heard it before, but, like, this is literally what happened, and it's, like, the same, and it's never changed. So when I was a kid, obviously, music was always in our house. It weren't, like, weren't, like, massive, like, way of life or anything, but, like, nobody played instruments or nothing, but they just enjoyed music massively. Like, my dad dad was always really into, like, sort of northern soul and, like, punk and stuff. Like, they were, like, his sort of... And then, like, the standard dad music. My dad's, like, 60, so the standard stuff, like, the jam and the special, you know, like that, like, all the mod era and the scar era and stuff like that. Yeah. Then mom was your just average mom of, like, Celine Dion and fucking Madonna and, you know, just just <laughs> 90s mom music, basically. So, um, and then my brother, he was, like, into, like, garage and stuff, so, like... Because he was, like, at the perfect age for it. My brother's five years older than me, so I sort of, like, 90... Okay. I mean, when did Garage start? Sort of 96, 97, maybe? Yeah. Maybe a little bit later. So he was at the perfect age of, like, sort of that music. And I, by that time, I was, like, basically a little greb, like, listening to, like, Limp Biscuit and, like, all that sort of stuff. And Slipknot and wearing my baggy jeans and shit like that. But, um... Have you watched that Woodstock Thing yeah, 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 it's crazy, isn't it? Fucking Absolutely hell, crazy, yes. mate. Yeah, like what and a I shit don't show. Remember that happening? I and think I'm, I was that around. Do you know what I, I mean? But I think I don't, the main. I don't remember. I think the main thing is is more that like obviously we didn't get news like that back then, did we? Like that would have been like small fry news, and we didn't have yeah, social I media guess. and Twitter. Yeah, and... yeah, I didn't think about that. So, like, it would have been, especially back then, 99, was that, like, near enough the turn of, like, sort of when terrorism supposedly started in the world, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. That's when, that's yeah. when there would have been scaremongering us with that shit instead, so <laughs> we yeah, wouldn't have learned yeah, better rather than, <laughs> rather than anything else that's going, going on. wrong. Exactly. <laughs> but, yeah, so I was listening to, like, sort of rock music and... Again, my brother was into sort of Oasis and all that sort of stuff purely just because of when he grew up. So that was, I always yeah. heard that sort of music as well, like Brit pop and all that stuff. And then, so I remember my cousin, like, we're, I'm really close with my cousins. We've always grew up, we're basically like brothers. There's like about six of us, like six lads who are always like sort of stuck together. And one of them got some decks. I don't know why. He was never going to learn to DJ. I think he was just like, <laughs> it was cool to have some vinyl decks, basically. And at the same time, they were getting into, like, Pure Garage. It was when Pure Garage 1 and stuff had come out, like the original Pure Garages. And like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So every time I was around theirs, which was pretty much every day after school or, like, every day in the holidays and stuff like that, they'd just be, like, blasting that shit out because he had, like... My cousin loved his system. He had, like, the separates and he had some, like, jam speakers and all that stuff. Like, I mean, you know how it is, mate. Back then, if you had all that shit, that was the stuff to have, you know what I mean? But I remember listening to the garage tunes and I'd be like, this is shit. But at the same time, there was one thing that always that I always loved about it and it was the bass lines, just the, just the yeah. way the bass lines were in the songs. Like, I'll never, I'll never forget listening to, like, Spin Spin Sugar for the first time on, and I think it was on Pure Garage 1, maybe. I was like, man, this is actually pretty sick, you know? Like, I actually quite like this. So anyway, I carried on being a fucking Grebo anyway for years and I, that's when I went really deep into it, like got into like death metal and like grindcore started a death metal band i was in a band for years and stuff like that just what after did you say? i was a vocalist oh we... yeah proper like heavy did you sing or nah. like yeah that. there was no singing at all <laughs> i i cannot sing i can't even fucking whistle mate i can write music but i can't even whistling tune trust me it's terrible but, <laughs> but then it was sort of the uh it was just after that it was when, like, LimeWire and, like, Napster and all that was, like, buzzing. And, like, obviously, yeah. we we just got the internet. So this is, like, the turn of, like, the millennium, like, early, early 2000s. Then all of a sudden, we've got a computer. We've got this thing called the internet. And then, like, we've got this 
like app or whatever it was. It's like, oh yeah, you can just type in any song and you can download it for free. I was like, what? And obviously, like, no matter what anybody says, I know it's piracy and all that, but we was all fucking doing it. And anybody who denies it is a liar. <laughs> like, and then you'd end up I had getting a CD burner. Yeah, exactly. So you just make, all... yeah, just download yeah. anything and just make like, it was basically like us making like mixtapes, basically, and it like all your yeah. favourite songs on a CD. Yeah. Get, get your little black marker out and write it as small as you can around the thing about which track yeah. was which. <laughs> or if it was really cool, you'd uh, even get a piece of paper and like make it, give it a proper case and everything. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, so when LimeWire come out and stuff like that, Napster and that, like that's when my brother and I started to hear like drum and bass and jungle and stuff for the first time. So like I'll never forget like hearing like early like, Aphrodite stuff and uh, Mickey Finn and all them sort of people. And, like, obviously being from Wolves, I always knew who Goldie was. Yeah. But I never sort of, like, delved into it. Like, he was always, yeah. a, he was always a name that, like, came up. and But obviously I completely missed his big era when, like, Timeless and sort of all that was out because that would have been... I would have been, like, five, six years old when, like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um... But then again, like I remember hearing like jungle and drum bass, and again I was like, man, the bass lines in this are so sick. Like it's really, and I, I remember we got like it was on LimeWire, got like a a version of Skibidi's Street Fighter MC that must have been ripped from just like some live night or something because the, yeah. like, the quality of it was such dog shit. <laughs> but again, I was just like, oh, he's he's like he's emceeing. About like Street Fighter, like a computer game. I was like, that's sick. Like, because <laughs> I was still young. I was like, that's really cool. And then, anyway, I carried on, carried on, carried on. So that was always still there, there, because of my brother and my cousins and stuff. And then it finally got to the point where our band, we'd been playing like sort of locally and around England and stuff like that. And uh, we met another band from Swindon called, they were called From the Carnival of Horrors. My band was called I Am Monster. And um, oh, I like that. Though. Yeah, yeah. And uh, we become good friends with these lads. And then, like, sort of as the bands were dying down and we weren't really doing it anymore, we kept in touch. And they used to come up to us, um, and we'd sort of go out and stuff. So slowly started getting into like house music and stuff like that, like going to like God's Kitchen and like Global Gathering and stuff like that. Because it was just like the age I was at. I was sort of seven, six days, seventeen. I'd found drugs. Like, um, found house music. It was just like, and then some of the lads had come up from um, Swindon. They were from that band. Were from, and one of the lads, Ryan, still speak to him like to this day. He's a lovely lad. He yeah, uh, he bought some decks. Seems like the turning points in my life always came from somebody buying some decks. Yeah. So like, <laughs> he 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 brings like these decks up, and he's like, oh, listen to this like thing called dubstep he's like oh what is it and he had i think he had one of either Benga's early releases or one of scream's early releases i can't remember which one it was but he put it on and i was just like holy shit i was like this is everything i loved about like garage and drum and bass and it's just that because yeah. I mean, early dubstep was just about the baseline, and like I mean, yeah. obviously, as I got as I got more into it and explored it more, I realised that obviously there was a lot more to it. But I was like, it really is sort of concentrated just around that baseline. And then, literally from then, I was just fucking hooked completely. So I, I remember getting like bangers, like Dory of an Afro Warrior. I remember getting, I remember Scream obviously released his um, self-titled, and then. Like anything that I really get into, I just like deep dive into it completely. Yeah. Like I've I've always been that sort of person where if I like something, I'll just like completely jump into it. So I was like, yeah, everything was just like dubstep, dubstep, dubstep. I was still listening to house, but dubstep was sort of taking over exactly what I was listening to. And then the next big thing that happened was Casper uh, and Rusko released their Fabric yeah. Live, and then yeah. I mean. In the dubstep world, that was a big, big turning point for like everybody, I think. Yes, yeah, yeah. Because I mean, like, you must remember, remember when that happened, like, because yeah, what I think it was is like before that, it was mostly just like 
So it was the baselines weren't as gritty. Like there were some, like Koki was making some bangers, and like you know, Crown Star had had a few, and even Scream, and it was it was there. But then like Casper and Rusko like did Fabric Live, and it was like oh, the mid range bass was getting called. Rusko was doing his thing, which was like still sick to this day, and obviously Casper's stuff was amazing as well. And then that was when I was like, right, I'm gonna fucking try and make dubstep. I'm gonna try and do it myself. So I remember going to a night, actually. I remember one of the reasons I started producing is I went to a night and it was, Benga was headlining. I think this was probably about 2008, maybe. Benga was headlining. I swear Trolley Snatcher played, but I could be getting them two nights mixed up because I don't know whether that might yeah. have been a tad too early for Trolley. I don't know, but I could be wrong. I remember watching the DJs and I remember like I loved like 90% of the music, but there were certain songs that would build up, build up, build up. And I'd be like, oh, yeah, and then it would drop. I'd be like, oh, I don't know whether I want yeah. In my head, I didn't want it to drop like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was like, well, the only way I could change that is by making it myself. Yeah. I remember getting my laptop and getting a little cracked version of Reason. <laughs> and I made my first ever dub. It took me like fucking Did so long. Did you know long. how to use it or were you literally just sat down like nah, didn't just, have a clue just sat down yeah. and this was like uh this was probably before youtube was really really popping obviously youtube was around in 2000 and sort of seven and eight but like it weren't but it's not like it is now where nah, anything you want it weren't like, like oh, oh yeah i need to learn how to tie my shoelace like youtube yeah like anything so there weren't many like tutorials or anything out there um but yeah so i grinded and grinded and grinded and learned how to fucking do it and I rem- <laughs> I'll never forget my first track I ever made was called Yellow Dub Marine. Like, what an absolute <laughs> twat of a name. Mate, I know. <laughs> and, at, and at the time, I obviously thought it was the fucking coolest play on words ever. And I'm just like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, honestly. And um, I didn't even know what to do with it, though. Like, I couldn't, like, I didn't know what to put it out or, like, because obviously you couldn't just put stuff on. Was Spotify even around in 2008? Like, God knows. I don't know. Was MySpace did? When did MySpace was MySpace was around? around. Yeah. Finished? I'm pretty sure MySpace was around because Pogban definitely had a MySpace. Okay. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Where does the name come from? Do you remember Pogs? Remember the little collectible like discs? Yes. Yeah. 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 Literally from that. <laughs> like that. I remember. So I was in my bedroom. With my best friend, Lee, lives in London now, actually. Um, and I, th- I wanted something, I wanted a name that wasn't too sick. Because I, I'd, so, actually, yeah, this is probably the logical next step in the story. Because I'd made Yellow Dub Marine, fucking banger. And uh, <laughs> it was the worst song ever as well, mate. <laughs> He was basically just a kick and a snare with like a wop, 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 wop. Like, I don't know how to like do anything else. But I was like, yeah. that's basically dubstep, really. I'm fucking, I've cracked it. I'm going to be fucking yeah. famous, yeah. You know, Fabric will be ringing me tomorrow to do the next Fabric Live off the back of this. But, um, so I remember being like, well, I've made a song. I want to put it somewhere. And it makes sense that you've said MySpace because MySpace would have been where I would have put it, definitely. And because um, remember, you could have your little thing at the top where you could put yeah. a few songs on and stuff. <laughs> but I, I, because I used MySpace because I used to sing. Yeah. And that just feels like it was such a long time ago. But equally, it doesn't feel like it was that long ago. But just like the way things have moved since that happened, that that was such a big deal, wasn't it? When you had MySpace and you could put your music out there. Oh, it's insane. You know, people top eight friends. You. Yeah, oh yeah, yes. pissing everybody off. Why? Why yeah. you're not in your top eight? Oh fuck off! Who cares? Like now, but back then it was a big deal. I it mean, was a big deal. Luckily, I wasn't at school when my when MySpace happened. I imagine MySpace, like when it was in its heyday, school and yeah. MySpace must have caused so many fucking arguments, man. Yeah. <laughs> like, but when did it? Because I'm thinking I was. It must have been. When were you working at Notion? Like 2004. Maybe. So, yeah. So, that was the year I left school. So, maybe I didn't have a MySpace. I think I might have got MySpace like that year, maybe. Or maybe. Yeah. Yeah. But then did only people that made music have MySpace? No, no. Everyone have no, MySpace? everyone had it. You could have a personal you page. Did. You could have a personal yeah. page or an artist page, I think. So, but it was like... So, what? Carry on, sorry. Oh, no, go on. 
it's mad that nobody's ever like sort of gone really down that route on social media anymore where you can like really personalize your page and remember you could have a song that just played when you went on just started playing when you went on somebody's profile and like nobody ever really like carried that on which was i know most guys tried to have a resurgence a few times did justin timberlake not buy it at one point and try and bring it back yeah i think so but But i suppose it's once once facebook happened that was it wasn't it really yeah I held out that on was... Facebook for years. I didn't. I didn't get a Facebook for so long. I was like, "Fuck that! It, I don't need one." It's not. I literally just go on it because I work in social media, mm-hmm. so I have to kind of yeah be on it. But I just literally go on, see my memories. That's all I want to do because I just have all pictures of the kids when they were babies. Yeah, exactly. But I don't scroll on it or. Well, anything. I um. Another part of the story, which we'll probably talk about later, is the day I decided to go sober, like this last time round, I deleted Facebook off my phone the same day, and, okay. I've, and I've never had it since. Like, so I've yeah. st- I've still got a Facebook profile, but I'm I, I mean, in them three, it's been just over three years now. Like, I've probably been on Facebook on my laptop ten times in three years. Yeah, and I'm on it for like twenty seconds, and I'm like, why the fuck am I back yeah. on here? Straight back yeah. on. Yeah. Yeah. Boom. Yeah, Long I, yeah. it's just it's it's it was a great idea and it's spiraled to what it is now which is just have you seen that they've handed over a conversation that a young girl had when she was trying to sort out having an abortion in america facebook have handed over her messages to the police authorities what because of yeah. what because of this new because she was talking about getting an abortion or, or arranging, or I can't remember. I don't. My it's, friend sent it to me. It's so fucking wrong. Terrible. I mean, the whole the whole thing in America at the moment with the abortion thing is just disgusting. But like, that's a literally a whole that's other conversation. Scary. Oh, it's fucked, mate. It's, yeah. it's literally that's exactly what it is. It's scary. Yeah, yeah. You know, and really not scary. But then, to be fair, I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have any serious conversations on that kind of platform. But that's I'm forty. Yeah. Four, and I wouldn't be risking that. But if I was a young girl in that kind of state, anyway, yeah. you wouldn't even imagine that someone could be reading your. Well, exactly, exactly. Like that, and like we've got to remember that, like, social media to them is like life. Do you know what I mean? Like that's yeah. where all their friends are. That's where everybody they speak to is like. I mean, it baffles me, like, what kids are like. And and I hate to sound like that old bitter bastard, and I always do, but, like, stuff I experience with, like, kids nowadays, it, like, it just blows my mind. I'll never forget. Um, a, girl, a girlfriend I was with at the time, she had a little brother, lovely little lad. Um, his friend, like, rode his bike round to the house, knocked on the door... And was like, oh, you're coming on FIFA online? And he was like, yeah, I'll be on in five minutes. Got back on his bike, rode back to his house for them to then just talk, like, through a microphone. And I was like, why did you not just, like, yeah, like go in the garden and play football? Like, but, like, look, yeah. I understand, like, kids love gaming and all that sort of stuff. But, like, and we're old. And it's, it's only, like, where my dad used to say to me when I was a kid, like, oh, go outside and play. Like, you know, when fucking the SNES first come out and got my first PlayStation and shit like that. But, like, I think it's got to the level now where, like, it could potentially be, what's the word, sort of, like, very bad for, like, kids later in life. Yeah. Because I don't know whether you've noticed, but I think social, social interactions between kids nowadays are a lot different to when we was younger. Um, I don't, I don't know, because I'm thinking, obviously I'm thinking of my kids, but my youngest is still very much, she'll play, but then that being said, she's, she's addicted to her iPad, and when her friends come over, even, they still always resort back to going on the iPad, because they're so used to that, and I've got a room full of toys that she won't get rid of, but I'm like, but you never really played with them. Yeah, yeah. But then... They are, but it's it's hard, isn't it? Because she is playing on the. She's not just watching stuff like they play games. And yeah. it's creative and it's. That's what it's. it's and oh. it's just a tricky like. I mean, I can't say I can't really comment on it much because I've got no kids. But like, obviously, I've got a lot of 
technically they're my cousins, but like I call them like my nieces and nephews because just yeah. of how close we all are and stuff. But like, I don't know, it just, and I even experienced it in the music world. And this is of like no offense to any of the artists, like, but like I noticed like when you'd get like very young artists, sort of like backstage at a show or backstage at a festival, like, it was really tricky for them to like, socially interact the way that we would because yeah. they're so used to just everything being on a computer like they've never really like for instance well, i mean we just did rampage obviously you saw what it was like backstage yeah, everybody's having a laugh and blah yeah. blah blah but like yeah i've been in situations where like there's kids who like and i feel bad for them and i feel like they're sort of a product of like what the last sort of 10 years has been like with how you have to be yeah. like sort of on social media and the problem is, is it's got, it's got so many positives, but so many negatives as well. And it's yeah. just, it's just a yeah. massive catch 22. Like I was actually having a conversation the other day with somebody about, um, obviously you'd never be able to find this data at all, but like, it'd be, it would be interesting to see if you could compare how many lives social media has saved versus how many lives social media has sort of technically cost. Because yeah. there's yeah. good. There's going to be kids out there, not even just kids, just people in general who have like been pushed to the edge of suicide and stuff like that because of shit that's happened online. Like we've all saw it, yeah, we've all yeah. saw it on the news and stuff. Yeah. But then the flip side to that is there's going to be kids out there who never had any friends, never felt like they belonged anywhere, and then all of a sudden they find this little pocket of a community on the internet, and it's yeah. and it's pretty much saved their life. Yeah. So it would be really interesting to sort of see that comparison but as i said it's like data yeah, that's probably just impossible yeah. to ever yeah. figure out oh. yeah it's i have a social media has helped me i've got i live in this house because of social media yeah i've got my job with paul because of social media yeah like there's a lot of stuff a lot of positives that's happened but equally i'm fully aware of the negatives mm -hmm. of it and i'm hoping that by the time my daughters are going to be very affected by it, it won't be as like the Facebook's dying out, isn't it? And Massively. It's like always, it's the next thing, next thing, isn't it? And like TikTok's obviously the thing that, at the moment, isn't it for kids? Yeah. Like, yeah, that's all they. Yeah, it's all they watch is TikTok. But yeah. it's so funny they keep coming up with all these recipes and how you should cut a mango properly and just oh, all no. this shit. But it's like, they're learning stuff. I mean, yeah. it's all, you know, do you ever rubbish, see? Do you but... ever see the ones where it's like, this is how you should do something? And you're like, no, it's not. Like, yeah. There's a much easier, normal way to do it. But like, yeah, there's been a few. I watched some crazy thing the other day about some person being like, oh, if you've got a bottle of water, you can do this, this and this and do this and tie this here and cut this. And then you've got a cup. It's like, just drink out the fucking bottle. Yeah. Like, like, You've got like done a full like blue Peter session to fucking when you could have just yeah. drank out of the fucking bottle, get your sticky back plastic and your PVA glue and all that shit. And it's like, oh. what are you fucking doing, man? But yeah, so it's just, like the, just the internet in general. I think the internet in general was the best slash worst thing that ever happened to the world. Yeah. Because again, sim very similar to you. Like I know for a fact my career got to where it got to purely because of social. Well, not purely, but you know, social media played a massive part yeah. in it. I wouldn't have met half the people I know. I wouldn't have met, sort of got half the contacts. I wouldn't have been able to send my music to people who ended up so signing it. So what happened it and... then after Yellow Dub Marine? Oh shit! Okay, yeah, back to that. So yeah, so <laughs> I, was, I was I was looking for my name. I remember Funk Case. His name was sort of popping. Mm. Like he was uh, Jay was coming through. So I was like, oh, you don't really have to have like a really serious name. Like you can still have something that's a little bit fun. And I don't know, just I don't know where it even came from, but just out of the blue, I th I'm pretty sure my mate Lee was just like, "What about Pogman?" And I was like, "Actually, yeah, like, yeah, like it straight." And I just literally just went for it, like I didn't even really yeah. think about it. And then, I, obviously, my name is P Zero G M A N, because at the yeah. time there was a few artists who I liked floating around who had like numbers in their name, like Number Nine was one of the big ones, and it was like. There was a three in it and a six somewhere. Like, later on, for, like, Googling purposes and that, I fucking regretted it, like, years down. I was like, why the fuck did I put a fucking zero in my name? But then we turned it into a branding. Yeah. Like, the zero became, like, the sort of logo and... 
we branded a lot of stuff around it. So in the long run, it weren't too bad. But, but yeah, so anyway, Yellow Dub Marine is probably on. Not anymore. I fucking wish it was. I'd love to listen to it again. But it was. Have you still got it? Nah, that's like there's a certain era of like very very early Pogman that I've just not got. Like sort of from my first release, which was 2010. Afterwards, it's pretty well like catalogued and stuff. Yeah. But there's some very early stuff that like I I I honestly don't know where it could be, mate. Like because it was made. I made the jump from PC to Mac pretty early, and like all the original stuff would have been on PC on like Fruity okay. Loops and stuff. And yeah, yeah, once yeah. I switched to Logic, it was that was it then. But yeah, I remember just from being in the community, like obviously delving more into the dubstep community and like you know groups on Facebook and this, that, and the other. There was a label in America called Dank and Dirty Dubs of a, a guy who ran it called Sashwat. And I started to speak to this guy quite a lot, just sort of, you know, he was releasing some music I liked and I was sending him stuff I was making. And they ended up making a tune called Dank and Dirty Dubs because I think that was just in my head at the time, blah, blah, blah. And like, and I sent it to him and he was like, oh, this is fucking amazing. He's like, can I, can I sign it to my label? I was like, well, of course you can. So that was like my first genuine release. And, it, and, to, and obviously it came out on an American label. In reality... Like, obviously, it wasn't... How, how do I say this without sounding like a dick? Like, it would have been better in terms of where dubstep came from and blah, 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 to probably do it on a UK label, but I saw it as... And somebody on the other side of the world like likes my music, like, amazing. Yeah. And then... So that came out. The name... The Pogman name started to sort of get noticed, but just online and, like very small communities it weren't like in anywhere near to the point where like shit was going to start happening for me and being from wolverhampton obviously birmingham's just up the road and there was a label from birmingham called chronos records and uh they released like really heavy stuff i remember they were like the guys who um sort of discovered like eptic who is now like massive like probably one of the biggest artists in dubstep and fucking amazingly talented at what he does lovely dude um but i really wanted to be on chronos records like that was the, that was like the next step for me yeah and um i'd, I'd sent i was i was probably just an annoying dickhead because i just emailed so much music Literally, like, make a song, email it, make a song, email it. And they're always just like, yeah, we don't think it fits. Like, fair play to them, they'd always answer, like, you know. That's nice. Yeah, because nowadays it's sort of common that, like, say, not getting an answer basically means no. Like, yeah. Whereas back then, like, they were, they were, they were always sort of, like, answering me back and stuff like that. So that was always really nice. And um, I finally, like, wrote this EP and... I'd really sort of found my sound and it was basically like I was like heavily influenced by like, you know, Jake's from Bristol. Yes, yeah. Yeah, so I was heavily influenced by Jake's stuff. Really influenced by like Koki and like that sort of like that's that wet, wobbly sound, like and stuff like that. So I've I kind of figured out what the Pogman sound was gonna be. And I thought, like, obviously, just like clockwork, obviously I'm going to send it to Cross and see what they think because I've sent them fucking seven million other songs in the last, like, fucking six months. And then I get an email back and they're like, right, we're about to launch a sister label called Styx Recordings and, like, this is the sound we really want to push. Like, would you like to be the sort of first EP on the label? And I was like, oh, shit. I was like, of course I fucking would. And um, so straight away I'm like... Technically, I'm not signed to Kronos, but technically I am. So I was like, I'll yeah. fucking take it. <laughs> <laughs> and the good thing is, this is this is sort of a, uh, not a little claim to fame because I know Michael and I fucking love him. I've known him for years. But like Michael Eptic, the lad, um, he's, he's obviously killing it right now, doing really well. He's making stuff with like very, very, very big artists. He does everything himself. He's completely in-house. All his artwork, his animations, it's fucking insane. Got like these little characters. How does he sleep? I don't think he does, but he's he's like insanely talented. But he actually drew my first ever album cover, like the the EP cover for that sticks uh, 
and it's literally just like a cartoon version of me just like leaning against a building <laughs> like, so it's nice to think that i'll always like forever have that that like little bit of artwork from michael which is fucking great because i love the dude and i'm massively happy for his success and stuff but like so yeah that came out there was a dude at the time on youtube called salad salad something i can't even remember now but what he used to do is he used to like put movie clips to dubstep make it yeah. like work really well and he did like so the lads at chronos ant and george fucking legends love them they knew this dude and they got him to do the sort of promo for my ep and it was all from the matrix and like it was all really synced really well so that like popped really hard uh the tracks did really well like well what i would consider really well you know not like numbers that people do nowadays like but I remember, like, Rusko played one of my songs, and, like, that was, like, oh, my God. And then... So that was, like, the sort of start, real start of it. And then that's when I started to get, like, booked and stuff. Remember, like, my... So did you DJ? Oh, yeah, shit, yeah. So, like, along this... So a big thing that I, that I missed is... I, when I wanted to DJ, so, like, around the time, probably in between Yellow Dub Marine and the EP that I just got released... <laughs> would have been um i wanted to obviously dj but it was hard to get bookings and stuff because i i obviously had like nothing to sort of yeah you know show people or there was no yeah. re there was no reason to book me really i was just another dj um so i taught myself to dj i got some cheap sort of den and uh cdjs taught myself to dj and then we basically said, me and my friend at the time was like, oh, look, why don't we just put a night on, like a dubstep night on in Wolverhampton? Like, if we want to be DJs, like, let's try and sort of do it ourselves. And um, so we had a, our first ever night was called Recession because it was during the 2000, was it 2008, the, that recession, I think. I can't remember anyway, but like basically this one club in was it was barely a club, it was a fucking pub basically. They had a room upstairs and they were like, Yeah, you can use it on like a Thursday night, I think. Like, yeah, you can use it on a Thursday night. It's like we can't pay you or anything, but blah blah blah. And like so yeah. So we basically started playing dubstep. And like the first night, I think the first one we did, there was probably like three people there. Second one we did, there was like couple more people there then it didn't really get popping but it was doing like okay and then it got to the point where it was like fuck this like i think they i think they got to the point where they're like yeah if you get people coming in obviously we'll give you a bit of money and i'll never forget the one night they gave us five pound between the two of us and i was just like <laughs> i was like are you fucking kidding us <laughs> and i'll never forget oh i know exactly and like i'll never forget the woman the woman who like basically like i don't know if she was even the manager but she was a fucking bitch manager like she hated us and i think it was more of an insult that she'd done that yeah and um i'll never forget because it was my mate jace and like i don't really speak to him that much anymore but like I he was a fucking lovely lad very very good producer he never really went anywhere with it but he was really good at sort of like garage and like that sort of stuff but I'll never forget because we lived together at the time and it was like we, we've got enough money for basically a taxi home or we can just get some food and walk home. I'll never forget there was this shitty little pizza shop in Wolves where you could get a pizza for like £2.50. So we basically got pizza each and just fucking walked home. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, so after that, we were like, you know what, fuck this, like, fuck that place. And then we had an idea for a night. Um, Basemois, it was called. And um, we somehow just got in with the right people and, like, they offered us... They were like, yeah, you can have, like, this night a month at this club, like a monthly thing. And I'm like, yeah, okay, then, sick. And I'll never forget, we did the first night and, like, we promoted it really well and all that and it just fucking popped. Like, it just worked. And I think it's because we were the only club that was really concentrating on, like, bass music. Like everywhere, yeah. everywhere else was still playing just like house and just like you know your standard sort of dance like clubby music and and I'll never forget the first night it was fucking heaving and they were like yeah we'll basically give you the door money like you could basically keep all the door money because we'll make yeah. money on the bar 
Yeah. And I think the first night we made like two grand between like four yeah. of us. And it was like, oh shit. Like, yeah. <laughs> so then we started doing more. We're doing it monthly. And I'll never forget. Like, we, we got to the point where we were like overselling the nightclub. Like, we were we, like, we were cramming like 200 people, too many in the club. And it was just like, we were making good money. We were having a fucking sick time. We started booking artists and like, it was really getting good then. So that's when I started to make some really early sorts of friendships with people as well. Like I remember I booked like Shivers really early on, who's now like one of my fucking closest friends. And like, um, we booked, who else did we book? We booked like, who else did we book back then? I'm pretty sure we booked like Suck Night. We booked like a lot of the early, like heavier dudes, like Dr. Filth and like, I think, did Eptic come and play for us? I can't remember. Anyway, yeah, so that started popping. So I started, my DJ skills started to get a lot better and stuff like that. And um, anyway, that sort of run its course. And then we had to move clubs because something happened with that club. And then the club that we went to wasn't as good, but it was still popping a little bit. And then I'll never forget one of our best friends at the time, Mitch, fucking really good friend of all of us, got absolutely battered in the toilets, like... I think like 10 blokes like put it on him like really bad to the point where I'll never forget I was walking I don't know it had happened the toilet was just downstairs in this new club and as we're walking as I'm walking back in I think I'd been to the door to see if uh, our person on the door was okay like you know because she's taking the money and stuff and I'm walking back through and the bouncers have literally got him under one arm each and he's like just knocked his face I've never saw anything like it I was like what the fuck's happened anyway like after that happened we started to get like people in the club that like weren't regulars and they were just coming because we were yeah. we were playing like sort of grime and garage and dubstep and like and then like less people started coming because they'd saw what happened to Mitch and like the mood was changing and in the end we were just yeah. like in the end we said you know what let's just stop doing it rather than it get yeah. to the point where the name's completely tarnished and like people are like oh yeah it was shit at the end like we just said yeah let's just end yeah, yeah, yeah. let's just end it so the name's yeah. good so yeah so that was the end of our thing but like at the time especially in the first club the club called koi it was just so sick like it was such good times we'd just like sell it out every time everybody was having a good time we never had any trouble yeah and it was just sick so so that's where my all it is but that's where all my dj like, come like from a real small group yeah and they ruin it for everyone. <laughs> exactly. But it's true. It's just like a literally a handful of people. But I think they ended done. up. I think the lads ended up getting their comeuppance because I think somebody knew who they were, and then the name got around, and blah blah blah. And yeah. I think I think because the worst thing is, is Mitch, the lad who got battered, was like he wasn't a guy to fuck with. He was like a big dude, and I was like, you know, he could look after himself. But obviously, there was fucking like eight to ten of these dudes who've just like fucked him up and i don't know what i don't know whether something's got said in the toilet you know what it's like out on a night yeah, out. Yeah, people yeah, are drunk yeah, shit yeah. gets said and yeah and um but yeah so that sort of come to an end and then that was when i, I was produ i was producing around that time that would have all been around the time of me learning yeah. to produce and stuff so by the time my ep came out like i could i could dj well i knew exactly what i was doing and stuff like that i was getting a few bookings here and there I mean, like if somebody else was putting a night on in Wolves or if, if a friend of ours from Birmingham who we'd let DJ at our night needed somebody to play, like, we'd travel there. But never anything further afield of, like, Wolverhampton or Birmingham. Yeah. And then once the EP dropped, I remember the lads at Sticks and Kronos were like, oh, we've thrown a night in Newquay. It's like, oh, sick, like, I'd love that. So that was technically my first, like, real booking, I would say. Um, and we went down there, and I'll never forget the night we played Nuki. Oh, why were we? I think. No, 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 no. The night we played Nuki, I think, was the night that lad got shot. In no, he wasn't. That's wrong. I think I played Nuki and then I went to London to do something. I think I had to play. Do you remember DJ Bailey? The yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. From being at music college. So, uh, during this, I was at music college. Uh, I went back to music. Oh, no, mate, I know. Honestly, my stories are getting fucking all over the show. <laughs> that was it. You chose to go to music college to learn. What did you do? Like, DJ. Yeah. No, create, creative music technology, yeah. 
So I like okay, produce, yeah, producing. Yeah. But long yeah. long story short, basically, I was a carpenter like around the time if we learned to uh, DJ and do and like start producing myself. Yeah. Then I lost my job because the recession. That yeah. that makes sense now. So around two thousand eight, I lost my job, or two thousand nine maybe, and I decided at that point I was like. I wasn't great. I wasn't a great carpenter. My dad had a carpentry business. He's, he's had it his whole life. So basically, it was a, dad, give me a job because I'm fucking struggling. Yeah. I was shit at yeah. it. I was shit at it. I took the piss because it was my dad's company. Like, But I was young and blah, blah, blah. And after I lost that job, I was like, you know what? I'm going to go back to, I'm going to go back to like school of some sort because like I want to work in an industry that like I love and I want to, I want to, so I thought I love music. I want to try and get into that industry. So yeah, as I was at music college, uh, through the college, I, man- I managed to get a little bit of work with a company called Hercules. They used to make like con- like DJ controllers and stuff. And like Bailey was like one of their ambassadors. So I think this is I think this is the series of events in my head now. I think I've got it right. So I think I played Nuki on the one night, and then the night after, I had to go to London to play a night that Bailey had set up for Hercules. And then I had to go back to Birmingham the night after that to do a radio show with the Sticks and Kronos lads, the lads I was, uh, I'd released yeah, with. Yeah. And I'll never forget, the night that we played London was the night that lad got shot in Tottenham. Oh, by the police? Yeah, which caused like all the riots, didn't the it? Riots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Was, his yeah. Name, was his name Mark something? Some, I can't remember his yeah. name, but yeah. Because I'll never forget the reason this always sticks in my head. So we played in Brick Lane. I can't remember what the club was called, yeah. but we played somewhere down there. Three feet east. Nah, fuck. What was it? Vibe Bar. Yeah, Vibe Bar. Yeah, Vibe Bar. So we played Vibe Bar, and then with me and I was with my friend Pascal, who I went to, who I went to uh, uni with. We were doing the Hercules project together. So we came out. I'll never forget. We came out about three, four o'clock in the morning. And like the vibe in London just felt like weird. I mean, like I wasn't yeah. really, I wasn't really used to the vibe in London because I'd only ever been a couple of times at that point. But it just felt weird because I'm probably like, I'm probably like twenty. I'm probably like in my early twenties at this point. But um, I was like, man, like what the fuck's going on? Like, and I remember, I remember we got a cab back to our hotel. And when we got to the hotel, there was like fucking police cars, every like just there was just loads of sirens and stuff. And I was just like, of yeah. course, of course, when you're in London late at night, you'll hear fucking sirens. But like this just felt different. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, I wake up in the morning. Oh no, actually, I think I might have even gone on the internet that night, and I think the news was already breaking that like there'd been a guy shot and killed by the police in London. And um, I'll never forget because the riots started literally the day after, didn't they? Like, so yeah. I wake up in London, the riots were already sort of. Uh, in their early stages. And then I'll, I'll go to Birmingham to do the radio show. The riots started in Birmingham that day. And I literally get back to Wolverhampton the day after and the fucking riots in Wolverhampton. Like, literally, the riots, like, followed me up the fucking country as I was travelling back. But, like, yeah, that's just always a thing that's stuck in my mind because, I re- and, like, I mean, I couldn't tell you when it was exactly, but it was probably around 2011, maybe, I think. I had a baby because I... I... I went to my mum and dad's in Essex because I, they were, I think it must have been the second day, but because it was spreading out Mm. and I I lived right near to our high street. Yeah. And I just thought, I, I just didn't want to be in a position where I was confronted when I had a baby at home. Definitely. You know, because it was just all spiralling and I thought it just takes a bunch of tickets because I was completely in support of the riots because what happened was absolutely terrible definitely but it's you know sometimes people just jump on the bandwagon don't they and i just thought it might just get some people trying their luck and my house was literally behind the house the high street and yeah. i thought you just don't know you've so got to you've got to my mum and dad's you've got to be careful like, you've got to exactly so like so it would have been lola was born 2011 so M- makes I sense it would have been 2011 yeah yeah 2012 it's maybe it's just a weird one weren't it because like it's like most of the fucking riots and gatherings that happen in this country, like, 
the reason they start is for a, a, de a decent cause that probably people need to be sort of like raising their voice about. But then it always gets to a point where it's just like, okay, now we, now there's a group just ruining it for fucking everybody. Yeah. It's just like anything, really. There's always that it's one that group. Baby. Just like just a few people. Yeah, just like our night, those fucking dickheads who beat yeah. our friend up, ruined it for everyone. And like, yeah. it's always the same because it's like, you know, you end up the looting starts and then the, it's just, you know, that's another fucking yeah. conversation you could have for fucking hours in yeah. it, mate. But yeah, so, so yeah, I forgot where we're at now. So then everything, well, so you, so that's when everything really started. Yeah. Success. Yeah. So that's when I first started to get booked out in like Europe and stuff. Cause like the EP had done really well. I started to get booked in, uh, Belgium was my first ever out of country gig. Um, do you play more overseas rather than the UK? Yeah, and my, my career, yeah. my career has always been like that. Like now, it's obviously yeah. slowed because after COVID, and it's of my own fault as well. Really, I've slowed down a lot, and but um, but in general, I was always America was always really good for me. Belgium was always really yeah. strong for me. Australia was arguably my strongest market in the world for many years, and um. But yeah, so it got to the point there where I was working at Morrison's while I was at while I was at uni to sort of like put myself through uni, like a little bit of extra cash yeah. and stuff. And um, I'll never forget, it got to the point where obviously the ball's still rolling. I'm releasing more music. I'm still releasing stuff on sticks. Uh, there's other labels getting involved and getting interested and stuff. And I remember getting offered a, my first American tour, and um, I basically said to morrison's at the time i was like look sorry drop yeah. i was like look i need six weeks off like unpaid and they were just like nah i was like oh come on man i was like yeah like you know this music thing like you know i've always been trying to do it like i'm, I'm really open about it at work because i'll never forget the got the little 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 story on the side when i worked at morrison's this would be a quick one the manager was a fucking idiot hated him he was a proper pompous prick and he knew i made music and he knew i'd be like blah 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 uh and he always was like oh well my mates are D my mates are dj and i beefer come back to me come back to me when he got a write-up in mix mag because his mate had had a write-up in mix mag and i'm just like always just he just could never let anybody sort of have anything he was always yeah. you know them sort of dickheads and I'll never forget, I released an EP. It might have been my second, it was my second EP on Sticks. So it was a couple of years later. And my EP had a write-up in Mixmag. And it got like an 8 out of 10. So I was like, I'm fucking proud. And I'll never forget, I literally, I went into work that morning. I bought Mixmag from the shop in our little magazine section. And I went upstairs and all the managers are sitting there having their breakfast. And I opened it to the badge. I literally dropped it on the table in front of him. I was like, there you go. And then he was like, uh, uh, he was like, oh, fair, fair play, Chris, fair play. And I'm like, yeah, fucking dickhead. Like, fuck you. Like, I'm so, like, I'm, I'm not that sort of person, but that day I fucking was. And I was yeah. like, more than happy to be that person as well. And, um, but yeah, so they knew I was doing the music thing. And like, I, I said to them, like, you know, six weeks off unpaid. I was like, you know, I don't ever, I don't ever expect you to pay me or anything. And they were like, basically, no. So that's when I had to make the big decision of like, right, do do I try and do music full time now? And um yeah. like I um denard, um denard, um denard. And then in the end I was like, yeah, fuck it. I was like, oh, because if I don't go, I'll regret it for the rest of my life. Yeah. And now I yeah, will. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um yeah, so I did it. And then literally like the rest was history. Like that was it then. Like I basically lived off music for the next sort of up until now. Do you know what I mean? So Hi, yeah, so that's a lovely Chris. Love him. We was going to hopefully do it in person, but he, he couldn't get down here, sadly. So, but yeah, he's, um, he's a good boy, Chris. But thank you for listening. If this is your first time listening to my podcast, hi. I did one with Funk Case as well. If you've come here through Chris, then uh, yeah, you probably like the Funk Case one. I did one with Rosca. I'm getting a few um, of my musical buddies to come on, actually, to talk about their lives and stuff, because DJs have lives too. Um, but yeah, I've, I've done loads of podcast that last week's one was um the story of a woman who was a squat over for years in hackney which was just amazing because i really never knew anything about that life and yeah there's loads sorry i'm yawning that's rude isn't it but yes i'm boring myself 
Anyway, I'm gonna go. Have a lovely Sunday. Part two is out next week. Subscribe and share. Sharing is caring. And yeah, check out other episodes. I've talked to some lovely people. But big up. Stay safe. Stay sane. Big love. And I'll see you next week. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.